Thanks, Nick. Uh, and good day to all the listeners out there. Uh, and and uh, and Mike, I thought that your uh, program on uh, on crime was really interesting because uh, at the end, as you're saying, what the alternatives were to uh, to prison was a more collective view, a more collective uh, uh, approach to to human behaviour. And what more celebrates the collective sense of human endeavour than May Day in Australia, the celebration in every state and territory. It marks the successful struggle by organised labour to have an eight-hour working day, eight hours rest, and eight hours to do what the hell you like to do, wish to do. And it began in the, in the mid-19th century, and it represented an important step in the working class struggle with capital. Because prior to the eight-hour day, workers often worked in excess of 12 hours, six days a week with no job security, leave or sickness entitlements, although some could argue were going back to those days. On April the 12th, 1856, stonemasons of, of, at the University of Melbourne took to the streets, marching to Parliament House, successfully demanding a 48-hour week. And on April the 28th of that year, held a victory march celebrating this victory. And other states in Australia quickly followed suit. Workers supporting this early struggle made up a song that was called that called on people to wear eight-hour shoes and to smoke eight-hour tobacco. And it ended with the refrain, we want to feel the sunshine, we want to smell the flowers, we're sure God's willed it and we mean to have eight hours. So the struggle continues, the call for real jobs, training, support for TAFE, training people new skills, free childcare, affordable housing, addressing the scandal in the aged care sector, accepting refugees in our communities, many of whom have been in detention for over eight years in Australia. Shame on you. Safeguarding our environment. This year's May Day celebrations have been organised around support from the CFMEU's Green Ban at Willow Grove, a mid-1900s villa which, we, which was earmarked for demolition by the New South Wales government to make way for the proposed powerhouse museum. The Berejiklian government had already demolished the 1830-built uh, the uh, Royal Oak pub in Parramatta in the middle of the night, believe it or not, last year. The, the CFMEU were approached initially by the North Parramatta Resident Action Group in respect to Willow Grove's planned demolition. And later, the National Trust, the New South Wales Nurses Association, and the, and the Australian International Council for Monuments and Sites, as well as the Durag Strategic Management Group, joined in supporting this green ban. It follows the late New South Wales Builders Labourers Union leader, Jack Monday's example of working, of working, of unions working with community groups to keep our heritage and other sites of importance safe for posterity. And Peter, we now have Rita on, on the line. Rita Maria, who is the state president of the CFMEU. Do you want to say hello? 
Good day, Rita. Hello, Rita. Thanks very much for 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 coming on the program tonight. And I've just done a brief just done a brief introduction into to tomorrow's May Day march, which is in support being held in Parramatta in support of your union, and will include a march to Willow Grove Villa. I wonder if you'll tell the listeners a little bit of the background. Uh, in relation to the decision to place a, a green ban on that uh, on that site, please. Yes, yeah, sure. So we were approached about a year ago by the North Parramatta Regional Action Group, who had been fighting for a number of months to prevent Willow Grove's, Grove's demolition. It's a beautiful 1870s, 1880s uh, mansion. Uh, more importantly, it was a women's hospital where many people around the Parramatta area were born at the time um, and it's a lovely example of past workmanship uh, beautiful masonry brickwork stonework um, and the New South Wales government is determined to build the new powerhouse museum on the site and to demolish Willow Grove um, in the process they were also going to uh, demolish a group of terraces called St George terraces however once we actually announced the green ban they were saved and they will be incorporated into any uh, new museum design. So in desperation, I suppose, the North Parramatta Regional Action Group, knowing of the history of the Green Bands, the CFMU and our predecessor union, the BLF, um, interest in protecting heritage approached us. We go through quite a democratic process. So we um, had the uh, Green Band endorsed by our branch committee of management, which are rank and file delegates, as well as our broader delegate. Um, structure because uh, of course we need the uh, the tick off by our membership to take such an important step and, and we don't take green bands lightly um, and of course we're a construction union and we also support employment and uh, projects that uh, keep our members at work however uh, that's not at the cost of beautiful heritage that can't be replaced once it's destroyed so with the endorsement of our delegates and our members um, we've put a green ban on the demolition of Willow Grove. No CFMU member um, is going to touch that do- uh, that building uh, and aid its demolition. And uh, we're hoping to uh, change the mind of the New South Wales government. And one of those um, actions is having a big turnout at May Day tomorrow. That's fantastic. It's really good to hear that, uh, Rita. And to know that uh, you're carrying on that proud tradition of green bans that was set in train by Comrade... Uh, Jack Monday, you know, that, that that's continuing. That's, that is a very strong sort of message to, to people. And, and also you've highlighted the, the fact that you've, it's been a democratic process, that you've, you, you've responded to community uh, needs. Uh, and also I understand that the Nurses Association and the Australian uh, uh, International Council for Monuments and Sites were also involved with that, uh, with that supporting the Green Band. Is that correct? Uh, that's right, the Teachers Federation, as you said, the Heritage People. We've also got the MUA division of the CFMMEU uh, in support. Uh, look, the PSA's delegates at uh, the Ultimo current uh, um, powerhouse museum um, are also in support of uh, the Green Band. So there is a broader coalition of yeah. supporters um, yeah, to ensure that this this beautiful building does not, uh, you know, does not disappear, it can be incorporated into any uh, powerhouse museum development at that site. There are different views about whether that's the appropriate site, um, but our union does not um, 
oppose the building of a, of a beautiful museum for the people of Parramatta and Western Sydney. There needs to be more of those cultural venues for people outside of um, the city of Sydney. Um, and if there's going to be a museum at that site, it there are plans that show that it can be incorporated into uh, any museum there. So we're very welcome of all of the support um, and, you know, very welcome that the community of Parramatta, the North Parramatta Regional Action Group, have such great support in our um, collective struggle to, to save this beautiful building. Yeah, I think that's really important because, you know, the, 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 the media, the, the mainstream media, tend to portray the uh, CM... Uh, CFMEU in, in a very negative light uh, and, and, and to, to, this is why we thought it was really important to get a clearer picture of, of, of how, the, uh, how your union goes about consulting your members uh, as, as a response to a community group and then looking at the wider implications of the, uh, uh, you know, of the work that, you, that you're possibly going to undertake. I think that's really it has been an important message that you've been able to share with the listeners today. But uh, in that light, Rita, we understand that um, you personally and other union members are now subject to personal fines for, uh, uh, for carrying out and undertaking what we would call normal uh, work, organising work of union. Is, is that correct? Can you tell, uh, you, tell yeah. our listeners a little bit about this? There, that is correct. There are very draconian industrial laws um, which single out the construction um, industry. Um, they go to the right to protest, they go to the right to organise, they go to the right to um, enter sites, to check on safety, and we have uh, a body called the Australian Building and Construction Commission that basically spends all its time prosecuting either the union, its officials, or its delegates, or its members. Um, it's, uh, it's a body of laws that have been um, denounced by international labour organisation. Uh, they are truly un unconstitutional and undemocratic laws from our perspective. Um, and quite frankly, if you did have to follow them, um, you, you wouldn't be able to achieve what we are able to achieve collectively on behalf of our members. And it, it's ultimately an attack uh, on the rights of workers to be represented by unions that are prepared to represent them and get the best possible um, outcome for them. And of course, these laws are promulgated by the Conservatives who don't like any organisation, whether it's a, a climate you know, organisation or an organisation that's pushing back on that sort of unfettered power that, uh, that capitalism and corporations and Conservative governments have uh, to do what they want to do in terms of maximising profits. And um, and we've seen that with uh, the way people are treated who've come out in support of refugees or who've come out in support, um, in support of people who, um, you know, are left squandering on very substandard social security. It just is part of this, uh, you know, designed by Conservative governments uh, and, the, and the federal Liberal government in particular uh, to attack anyone who pushes back. Um, but we take our role very seriously. Our members pay our wages at the end of the day, and they want outcomes that are just and fair. And uh, you know, we're not going to get law. We're not going to let laws ultimately um, stop us from achieving that. Especially laws that are unfair. These laws aren't stopping from workers from being killed at work. They're not uh, preventing criminal activity. They are preventing workers coming together and collectively. Um, bargaining in a way that achieves results 
it's um, absolutely trying to attack the right of workers ultimately to withdraw their labour. Uh, and that is how workers have won things in the past. And the green bands are a perfect example of that. Yeah. BLF members and members of other unions in the 1970s took strike action. They did not work mm. uh, to save places like the Rocks, Centennial Park, mm. um, you know, parts of Woolloomooloo, um, you know, Hunters Hill. Um, it's just extraordinary the extent to which these laws um, negate working people's rights. And, uh, you know, unfortunately... The CFMU is on the receiving end of those prosecutions, um, but they are just bad laws. And uh, and ultimately, we hope there will be a change in government and um, you know a reversal of those laws. That's that's really th thanks very much for that. Uh, we did mention the fact that uh, you know the May Day as well. One of the uh, leading uh, sort of uh, origins of this was the eight-hour day when workers mm -hmm. went on strike and uh, they won that. And, and and nothing, as you said quite rightly, uh, when you're working up against against capital. I mean, you, 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 you've got to use sometimes direct action, sometimes, uh, you know, you've got to use different tactics. But at the end of the day, when you've got uh, um, a government that sets out to reduce, uh, dilute, uh, and, you know, uh, fragmentize the, the, working for, uh, the workforce, I mean, you know, your union really is a beacon in, in many ways for people to to, to look at and support in terms of uh, what can be achieved uh, uh, in, through collective action. Mm. Oh, well, we, we totally um, believe in bringing together workers collectively. Um, enterprise bargaining is a challenge because it tries to pick off bargaining at an enterprise level. Um, but, you know, we work with that. Uh, but ultimately, we're in, we're in the hands of our members. Our members... Um, you know, contribute to a very profitable sector of the economy. They worked through the coronavirus. They turned up. Uh, restrictions around construction were lifted. Jobs have been working 24-7. Um, and, uh, and they did this at their personal risk and at the risk of their families. We didn't know what would happen with the virus way back. Um, and they've contributed to the economy in a way uh, that has assisted those parts of the economy who've not been so lucky and have had to be helped out by the government. Um, you know, have, our members have created and helped create revenue to allow that to occur. So, um, you know, our members deserve every cent they earn. It's a very hard industry. It's one where, um, you know, there are workers who die weekly across the country. Um, and we don't make any apologies for fighting very hard to get every cent and every condition that we possibly can on their behalf. And like I said, there are those conservative forces who just do not like that. Uh, Nick here, Rita. On that very thing you've just said, people killed at work, Wednesday was International Workers' Memorial Day. Yep. Um, when we take a, a moment to remember those who have been killed, disabled, injured or made unwell by their work. Um, and we got a message from Australian unions saying that it's not so surprise, surprise, it's time for a national industrial manslaughter law. Mm -hmm. Do you know much about yes. that? Well, ultimately, there isn't really um, great sanction against corporations and those who cause workplace deaths. And you can compare that to the sorts of fines that the CFMEU um, has made against it uh, for taking industrial action or for taking up issues of safety on the job in comparison to which can be over millions of dollars. Um, whereas if a corporation um, kills a worker, it, 
I, I, can't, I can't even remember when there was last time um, a, a fine that came anywhere near a million dollars. Um, and quite frankly, it would seem that killing a worker is the cost of doing business in construction. And we've just had enough of that. I've spent a lot of my 25 years at the CFMU assisting the wives, the daughters, the sons, uh, the mothers, the fathers of workers killed. Um, it's a devastating, um, you know, it's a devastating thing when someone um, is killed at work. And I don't think there's been a fatality that I've been involved with the aftermath of that was not preventable. Fatalities that happen at work in the construction industry happen because corners are cut and they're cut by companies who don't put the resources in to make sure those um, construction jobs are safe. And um, we did mark that this week with International Day of Mourning. Um, and, you know, we do that every year uh, to, try, to try and raise the profile of safety at work, but also to respect uh, and remember those who are killed uh, and fight for the living and to look after the families that are devastated um, when a loved one dies at work. And I gather, Rita, that in just a few weeks, state, territory and federal work, health and safety ministers will meet to vote on whether to make changes to national workplace safety laws. Well, there are some discussions afoot. We've been pushing the state government here to pass industrial manslaughter. Our view is that if you do kill a worker, you should go to jail. Um, it's just as important as a fatality on the road that's not work-related. Um, and there needs to be a much stronger punishment and a real risk of going to jail uh, might lead to changes being made to uh, the way in which safety is managed on the job. Has anyone ever gone to jail? Not that I'm aware of so far. No, no. But then the laws in the ACT in Queensland and Vic are quite new. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll be watching and monitoring that they're properly applied. I mean, we have quite strong safety laws in New South Wales. There are high penalties, but sadly, um, the courts and, and others don't seem to want to impose the highest penalties. And, and of course, you, we could end up with a industrial manslaughter law, but nobody goes to jail. And we'll be critical of that if that occurs. Um, we're currently very critical of the New South Wales um, safety regulator for, it seems to us, um, abandoning the field of safety uh, to a call centre rather than getting out of the job preventing um, safety issues. So there are a whole lot of pieces at play here that need to be improved if we are really going to see a decline in uh, deaths and injuries at the workplace across the board. Thanks for that, Rita. That was you know, that was really interesting because um, the, the last, uh, the first segment of the program was to do with with crime and punishment, and you you just hit the nail on the head, really. Because the thing is that uh, again, it's the working people, the disenfranchised people, who are are the victims of of, of our sort of injustice system, in a sense, uh, and. Uh, so, but just moving a little bit, there's, there's an article yeah. in the uh, in the Sydney Morning Herald today about uh, Gladys sort of signalling a renewal focus on privatisation of mm -hmm. of, our, of of the state's assets uh, in in terms of going it alone for. Uh, you know, sort of state development. I just wonder, I mean, I know it's a little bit left field question, but what's your view on this about sort of... Um, well, to tell you the truth, I'm not surprised they've got anything left to sell. I mean, I think this state government has a record of flogging off any asset um, and it has a complete sort of love of all things privatised. Look, look, there are some things that the private sector can and can do well, but there are things that are fundamentally important that the government um, should, um, should keep. And, and 
you know, assets and uh, infrastructure and, and those things that uh, are for the common good ought to be in the hands of um, the public. So I'd be interested to see what she has in mind to sell off because, you know, they've really done a pretty good job at selling off most everything, including the land titles office. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not surprising. It, it, it is very much part of the ethos of this state government to privatise anything they can, uh, whether it's public transport services or, like I said, um, flogging off bits of, um, of, of property or other assets owned by the people of South Wales. We could privatise the police and uh, give it out to Serco. If they could, I'm sure they would, and we've certainly seen it in the immigration space federally. Rita, Rita, it's great. Uh, you know, we need to have you on the show, uh, you know, more often because it's it's great. You're 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 so clear and and you're at the you know the cutting edge really of the kind of pressure uh, that a union official in your position and and where you are. Um, how 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 is it for you? You know, what is it? How do you cope, really? Uh, well, well, sometimes you know just become more inspired by some of the challenges that we. Um, that we face and I'd be happy to, to join you and speak about any particular issues relating to the work that we do at any time. I think it's important that we do tell our stories because as you said, uh, the mainstream ne ne mainstream media negatively portrays um, unions like mine, particularly the CFMEU. And look, I cope because I'm surrounded by the most extraordinary team of people, be it the officials and the staff of the union, our delegates, our members, and there's nothing like you know, I was on a, you know, doing a meeting um, just yesterday morning and met some members and uh, that just keeps you going because you know that you're on the right side and you're fighting for something that's, uh, that's worth fighting for. And that's, um, you know, the, the, the conditions under which our members work and the livelihoods of those workers and, um, you know, the well-being of their families. So, you, we, you know, I don't, can't really imagine doing anything else to tell you the truth, but it does get a little stressful and I do get to come home to a lovely cat who I'm looking at right now. So, uh, <laughs> So, you know, we do get some relief. Oh, that's great, Rita. It's a lovely way. I think we're going to have to sum up now just to say thank you very much and, you know, how inspirational it has been. And